0: Rory McIlroy turned professional in 2007 and within a few years took the golf world by storm. In 2011, at the age of 22, he won his first U.S. Open, which was also his first major. And Rory would go on to win three more majors, grabbing the PGA Championship in 2012 and again in 2014, the same year he also won the Open Championship, a.k.a. the British Open. And just two years after that, Rory McIlroy won the prestigious FedEx Cup in 2016. But despite all of his accolades and earnings, Rory McIlroy is a pretty down-to-earth guy, and you'll hear that in our interview from a couple of weeks ago. In this edition of Andy Fry Sports Podcast, we'll hear Rory talk about which is his favorite major, as well as the upcoming Olympic Games starting in Tokyo. Now, as I mentioned first, Rory McIlroy is a pretty down-to-earth guy. And before we got into the hardcore talk about golf and questions about majors and the Olympics, we spoke a little bit about golf apparel, and he gave me a little bit of a rough ride. But after we poked a little bit of fun at what his colleague Ricky Fowler wears on the course, we talked about investments and lifestyle and growing up in golf. Well, I have to admit, I'm wearing I'm I'm wearing some Ricky Fowler gear I got from Puma. You know, don't hang up or anything. As as, as long as it's not orange, then I'm all right with it. No, it's it's like dark blue. It's the palm, the palm tree crew with some oh, with Kaigo. Is that the Kaigo stuff that he did? Yeah, I know that he's a DJ, and I can't, I couldn't name a song of his if you put a gun to my okay. head. But <laughs> yeah, it's like like dark blue, totally sedated colors. Like I'm sure that Ricky would have had a hard time staying awake by wearing these uh, dark <laughs> stones, but who knows? So yeah, so I'm. Uh... I'm fairly dressed. So I also, you know, I've had the chance to talk to Greg Norman a couple of times. I got to meet him about a year and a half ago in the Bahamas, which was doubly awesome. And he talked a lot about you as like one of the golfers that he likes to watch. I think it's, uh, I don't know, you seem to uh, be a favorite among the the old guys and the people who sort of have a certain, I guess, profile of how a golfer should sort of conduct himself and, and you know, not fist pump. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I probably,
1: I mean, from like, I try to consider myself as still one of the younger guys, but even though, you know, there's, there's, you know, guys out now that are 10 years younger than me, I'm probably, I probably tend to go a little more towards the old school than, than the new school. So I'm sure some of those guys appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Why don't we talk about, since since we're on the, the topic of, you know, sort of mature adult stuff here and, and, you know, behaving ourselves on the, on the golf course. Um, you know, you've, you've basically grown up in golf and I know that you, you've yeah. been successful. You've you c- accumulated your share of wealth. And I think about all the times that I see Justin Rose, like uh, and he's, a, he's an awesome guy too, but I mean like on his hat is Morgan Stanley and on his shirt is MasterCard in Zurich. And uh, that basically speaks to the fact that there are some golfers that sort of the financial world, you know, looks to, to sort of, you know, I guess, speak for them in a way. Yeah. I wanted to get your perspective on that, you know, kind of Growing up in golf and being successful, it, maybe it's not your personality anyway, but sort of investing your winnings wisely and planning your life versus, you know, yeah. fast cars and partying and so on. And that may come natural to you, but I just kind of want to get your, get your perspective on how that all works for you.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'll, i so I think one of the things with growing up in golf is I, I was always around people that were older than me and a little more mature than me. So I think that um it probably made me mature a little faster than um most people my age but that didn't make me immune to the to the fast cars and the all i mean like the first tournament i won the first thing i did was go out and buy myself a ferrari i I thought having a ferrari was like the symbol of success Uh um so i mean i still did all that stuff i've had all the cars and i've you know, I, I've had my fair share of depreciating assets, which um, I've learned very quickly don't really um, don't do you much good uh, in the long run. So I, um, you know, I, I've, I've done all that. And I think I got that all out of my system in my early 20s. And now that, you know, I'm sort of a decade removed from that, I've, I've realized, um, you know, there's, there's so many um, possibilities with what I do. And I'm very lucky that I, I live a life and I have a profession that I can make a lot of money, but I also, I've learned over the years that, you know, the, the, the best way to accumulate wealth is to, is to, you know, let your money work for you and invest it the right way, as you say, and being smart with it. And, um, I've had enough good people around me to lead me in that direction. And, and, uh, and I've had some great people that have sort of joined me on that journey. And and that's probably, that's, you know, a, a big reason why, uh, I've got to the basically got to the point that I have today.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I interviewed a lot of NASCAR drivers. Um, i kind of do it in chunks and I do you know, golfers in chunks. And so I've talked to, I don't know if you're familiar with Joey Logano. He's kind of like, uh, without going into too much detail, if you don't follow NASCAR, he's kind of like the Bill Lane beer NASCAR. Like he's actually gotten into some physical scuffles and he's won the cup series. And I asked him last time, I was like, you know, there's a lot of people who don't like you and you don't seem to care. So talk about that in your comp- so he he talked to, he put it in perspective of like being at the top of a team and taking care of all your your staff and you know you don't have a pit crew but you have a caddy and you have some people who work for you so mm-hmm. when you get competitive I mean do you do you sort of feel the weight of the stable of people who are rooting for you or behind you or is it really as much of a individual eat what you kill sport you know just yeah way- no well, there's certainly I mean there's there's I mean I think you know golf is
1: a is is is, is qu- Quite an individual pursuit but it still there is enough of a team around me that yeah i don't want to let i don't want to let them down and whether that's with my performances on the golf course or whether that's with um what i say in the in the you know in the media or in the public domain um you know i, I would, i'd like to represent myself in the right way and and you know try to live by the values and the beliefs that my parents instilled in me. And, and, you know, I still try to do that to this day. And I, I just, I try to be a good person. I I'm not overly competitive as a person. I'm very competitive in golf Mm -hmm. because it's, I've always been, and I, you know, that's, you know, I'm not saying that my golf defines me, but as a competitor, it does, you know, that, that is what I am competitive at. And that is what I am, you know, the best at. And, and that is, that is what I'm competitive in. But, um, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, we're all, you know, we're all just trying to do the best that we can. So I don't, I don't, I certainly don't, wouldn't get into scuffles or um, get, you know, go down that, that sort of that route.
0: Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about, um, I, I imagine that for as serene as golf is and appears, maybe, maybe it's more that it appears as serene than it really is. There's got to be some sort of Healthy work-life balance, and that's that's kind of a businessy term. But you know, we've we've heard a lot about mental health in sports, particularly in the last month with Naomi Osaka taking yeah. a time out from the French French Open. It was her choice, and I was actually what I was going to say about that is, it seems like we're at a place where it's not as much the knee jerk. Uh, reaction to, to criticize and we talk about the sports, but I feel like she got a lot of support from uh, other athletes, especially to say, you know, do what you need to do. We need to allow athletes to have that. Now, you may never have a situation where, with the exception of injury, that you want to pull out of an event, but why don't you tell me a little bit about the kind of the mental health or the, yeah. the, the mental health management piece of it that, you know, personally, and you know, if it's tougher than it looks for, for you guys out on the golf course and, and hopping from event to event week after week.
1: Yeah, I think I think that it is. And I think um, the great thing about the times that we're living in is it's not as um, I think there's so much more knowledge around mental health now. And it's not a um, trying to find the right word Um it's not as taboo to talk about, I guess. Um, I, I have had my, you know, I I wouldn't say that I've had mental health problems, but there's certainly been times where I've had to reassess what is important in my life and try to think about, okay, I, I, you know, it, there was, there's times when the score you shoot on the golf course, you know, is basically how you feel as a person, you know, a 75 doesn't make you a bad person and a 65 doesn't make you a good person. You know, it, it, you have to try to separate those two. And as you're saying, that work-life balance and that's something that I have had to work on. Um, and I guess you could call that taking care of my mental health. I think that's as, as, as far as I've needed to go. But as you said, someone like Naomi Osaka or I think it's great that these athletes are speaking out about mental health, whether it be Michael Phelps or Kevin Love. Um, you know, they're two big big athletes that are, um, speaking up on mental health. And I think it just makes it much more, um, approachable for other athletes to, to talk about some of the issues that they have. So, yeah, and I, it's only going to become more as, as this social media world, um, sort of dominates what we do, uh, it's only going to become more prevalent. And I think that's why companies like Lifestance um, are going to be so important going forward.
0: Now, I spoke to Rory right after John Rahm, the Spanish golfer, had won the U.S. Open. And it was also right after Rahm had finally taken the number one spot in the world. And the next big, big golf event was the Open Championship since Rory had won the open championship once before and hails from the british isles i figured that it was probably a good guess that it might be one of his favorite majors if not his absolute favorite so the next big event that's coming up obviously is the open the british open i know that that probably has a special place for you i mean all the all the majors are a big deal and you want to win all of them but well, I want to hear your kind of your words, the what you think about the, the British Open in terms of its traditions and its history. Because we hear a lot about how great the Masters is. The Masters is great, but you know the Open is pretty special too. So, what's your perspective on that? And do you look forward to playing that event the same or or more than any of the others? You know, co- coming home, so to speak.
1: Yeah. So I think you know, you know, the comparison between the Masters and the Open is, you know, is. They're both great in their own different ways. Um, I think the Masters is great as a as a spectacle, as um, they go back to the same golf course every year, uh, and it's the first major of the season. Everyone has eight months to get hyped about getting back to Augusta, so that it's special in its own way. But I think in terms of just uh, pureness of the, game and traditions uh nothing beats the open you know it's 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 the major that's been around for the longest time it's played on golf courses that are you know similar or exactly the same if you say st andrews where golf originated um, uh, where, where the game was invented uh so they're, they're both great in their own ways but you know personally for me the open championship is 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 probably the the biggest major it's the one that I dreamed of winning more than any of the others growing up. Uh, it's the first one I ever attended as a kid. So, yeah, it, it holds a special place in my heart. And because I, I, I now live in the States pretty much full time, it is nice to go back every year and, uh, and experience it. I don't get a chance to go back home very often. And um, it's always nice to, to go home and play in front of those fans.
0: Good deal. So you've spent some time as the world number one, and we just saw an, another new number one crowned when John Rahm uh, won the U.S. Open this weekend. I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, again, you're a competitive person. I don't know that you're watching the scoreboard all the time, but it is a it is a big deal, at least to us golf fans. Who's number one and how long they've been in? It. It's just sort of a mark of showing that you're the real deal. But no. what is it? I mean, talk about. I want to understand kind of the struggles that a golfer goes through with a competitor drive in full gear of gunning for that number one and having it in, you know, quite frankly, losing it because buddy, well, you were number one a little over a year ago and you're, you know, you've, you've seen a lot of, of your peers in the field, like uh, Bryson Shambo and you know, even Xander and, and Dustin Johnson, obviously really have a, have a, a great stretch here. And that always makes it difficult for even the accomplished players who've been around longer, Talk about, you know, being number one and if it matters that much to you and, you know, once you lose it, is it, uh, do you savor getting it back or is, is it really not that big of a deal?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think,
0: um, I think what I will
1: say is it getting to number one for the first time, I think is a very big deal. Um, I think it's, it's a dream of any, like of any athlete growing up, you want to be the best in the world at what you do. So to, to see your name at the top of the list is a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lifelong goal and dream that's been accomplished you know, getting there for the first time is a very special feeling and when i got there geez nine years ago now it it was it was really cool it was special um but what you have to realize at the end of the day as well it's a you know the world rankings in golf it's a it's a computer algorithm mm. and it. I think it does represent the best golfers in the world, how they're playing at that particular time. I think it's the most accurate measurement that we have. But at the end of the day, you know, golf is about winning tournaments and it's about winning majors and it's about how many trophies can you get your name on. And I think that's the most important thing. And I, But I think as well, like seeing, you know, we, you talked about Greg Norman at the start of this interview, you know, he was number one for 330 whatever weeks. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, Tiger was 600 and whatever uh, DJ and I've been able to pass the 100 week mark. So, you know, people do look to that for, OK, you know, how long can you sustain um, consistently great play? And I think that is a good indicator for that. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it meant more to John Ram to win the U.S. Open than it did to get to number one in the world.
0: Yeah. And then you got because Michael- he'd already been there. Then you got Phil Mickelson, who's never been number one in the world. You know, we know a lot of that's because he just his career coincided with Tiger. But
1: unfortunately, he was playing against the best player ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he just won the. He's won a major at age fifty, so that's not not so bad. It it makes you know older guys like me think like I need to improve my golf game. So, (laughs) so well, one uh, other question I I ask a lot of I ask athletes of all stripes this: like, who were the the golfer? And you may say Tiger. I don't know who are the golfers that you watch growing up, you know, to kind of inspire you? And I'm interested in like, you know, British golfers and also just, you know, American golfers, anybody that, that really made you sit in front of the TV and watch and and made you want to get better. Who, who inspired Rory McIlroy?
1: Yeah. So the first, I'd say the first, um, the first golfer to do that was Nick Faldo. Okay. Um, I used to be a a huge Nick Faldo fan as a, as a, as a very young kid. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then when I was around six or seven years old, that's when Tiger came on the scene uh and then anyone my generation just absolutely idolized tiger you know i had a poster of tiger on my bedroom wall and then one of my other favorites growing up was sergio garcia you know that was sort of i was like 10 years old when he sort of broke through and had that great battle with tiger at medina in 99 yeah um so they are probably the three golfers that inspired me the most growing up and then just in terms of i mean I, i've always looked to other I've always looked to other sports and, and other athletes and, you know, you can pick out, there's so many names, you know, I, I'm a big soccer fan. I'm a big tennis fan. Uh, and there's so many different qualities that you can take from so many different athletes that, I mean, you, you sort of think, I just have a, a huge respect for you know anyone that's at the top of their game and what it takes to stay there yeah. for a prolonged period. I just, you know, that's, you know, I just have a ton of respect for, for that. But in terms of golf, those three guys are the, um, you know, my, my three big inspirations.
0: Good deal. Well, so, so last question. So we've got the uh, Olympics coming up. I, I guess I made a faux pas by, by saying Britain, cause it looks like at least from what I'm reading that you are, are going to represent Ireland and the, uh, the Olympics or at least originally, is that, are you still going to compete? And I also want to get your perspective on how big of a deal you think it was that the Olympics finally picked up golf and, and made it part of the you know, the, the, yeah. uh, of, uh,
1: yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm planning on going to Tokyo. Um, and the reason that I'm representing Ireland is during my amateur days. Um, I played golf for Ireland because there was no golf, uh, is seen as like an all Island sport, a little bit like, uh, rugby is and, um, some other sports. So the amateur body, the golfing union of Ireland is who I played for. So, Whenever the Olympics came around, I had a decision to make whether do I play for Ireland or do I play for um, the UK, basically, or Britain. Um, and I just decided to continue to do what I've always done, which is, you know, I've, I play golf for Ireland growing up and there's no reason to change that. So um, yeah. that's why that decision was made. And, yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think for the, the overall... Um, health of the the game of golf i think it being in the olympics is a is a very good thing i think it should increase participation of the game around the world um you know and that's sort of what we all what we all want to, to see happen we, you know you want to see as many as many kids pick up a set of golf clubs as as possible and, and start to to play the game around the world um so i think on a whole having a, having golf in the olympics is uh is a very good thing you know i've i've mentioned before that i'm quite a traditionalist and you know maybe it should be you know i'd some i'd like to see olympic golf be the pinnacle of the amateur game and give Mm -hmm. those guys an opportunity to show what they have and and that i think that would just make it a lot more intriguing for a lot of people because the professionals have the four major championships and that's sort of our big um i guess that's our big thing and our um, you know, what we all strive towards. So, um, but whether there's professionals or amateurs in in golf in the Olympics, I think, I think it is a very good thing for the game.
0: Good deal. Well, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me and, um, look forward to seeing you play golf again on TV.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. Andy.
0: That's it for this edition of Andy Fry's Sports Podcast, and thanks for listening. You can also keep abreast of my latest interviews and what exciting athletes I've gotten to speak to by following me on Twitter at my handle, at sportyfry. That's Fry with an E. Keep following sports, and we'll talk to you next time.